1: What Aaron did with blood. Aaron did something very unusual with blood. It says in Exodus 30, verse 10, Exodus 30, verse 10, Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it, the altar, once in a year with the blood of the sin offerings of atonements. Once in the year, it's Yom Kippur, it's the day of atonement. Once in the year shall he make an atonement upon it throughout your generations. It's most holy to the Lord. So, Aaron makes this atonement with the blood. Now, the word atonement is the word kafar, which means covering. That's what it means, covering. So, think of it like this We are Adam. We have just sinned against the Lord. We are exposed. We are naked. We know we got to cover ourselves. So, we go and we go gather up fig leaves and we sew them together and we say, There, that takes care of that. But it's the wrong covering, it was the wrong covering and Adam desperately needed the right covering, and, 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 and people today try to cover their sins by doing good works. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to this church. I'm going go to that church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do with the beads. I'm going to do with all the other traditions and so forth like that. It's the wrong covering for sin. It's just the wrong covering for sin. That's why God gave to Adam the right covering for sin when he took the animals, killed them in front of him. Just think of how that would have Think about if you had to watch your pet being killed in front of you. Killed the pet, the, the animals and skinned them and covered them with the skin. Think about that. Blood still on the skin. Maybe warm, I don't know. But the re, it really comes home to Adam and Eve. This great animal just died for me. That's the covering. and And we need the right covering for our sins. And the right covering for our sins is the blood. It's the blood of atonements. It's the blood of coverings. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Aaron makes this atonement with the covering for our sins, and it's called the sin offering of coverings or atonements of coverings. Now, just as God gave to Adam this this coat to, to wear in place of the fig leaf, that's what he has done with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a gift. It came from God. It's a gift, and that's what it's meant in Leviticus 17:11 in Leviticus 17:11 when God said the life of the flesh is in the blood and i have given it to you i gave you the blood i have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement or to make a covering for your souls for it's the blood that makes an atonement it's the blood that makes a covering for your souls now, this is the whole imagery behind the Passover and the Passover blood. When it says in, in Exodus 12, 13, we just sang it. We just sang, and we just sang about that. But in the Exodus 12, 13, when it talks about this blood and it says it's gonna be for you a token upon the houses, and then God said those words, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and to, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite. The land of Egypt. Now those words, they describe the, the power that's in the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. You know, there were many homes in Egypt and in every house, there were sinners. And in those houses, there was the many, there was the death of the firstborn. But for some of those houses, there was no death of the firstborn. Why not? What made the difference between the houses that had the death of the firstborn and the houses that did not have the death of the firstborn? It was just the blood. It was the blood. That was it. It was only the blood. All the houses had sinners in it, and and, and there wasn't a house that didn't have a sinner in it. But the houses that didn't have the death of the firstborn, they had blood. They had blood on the doorpost, on the top, and on the two sides, and they didn't. And, and it was just as simple as that. Blood, life and no death no blood death just like it says in 1 John 5:12 1 John 5:12 he that hath the son hath life he that hath not the son of god hath not life blood no death no blood death now now it's just like it's just like 1 John 5:12 could be he that had the blood on the doorpost life he that had not the blood on the doorpost had not life or the firstborn so when God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, he saw the cover of the life of an animal symbolizing the cover of the coming one of the seed of the woman who has the covering for the sins of the people. Now, what is it now that God sees when he sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ covering a sinner? He sees cover, he sees an effective cover. He sees the life of the Lord Jesus that was given for that person and he says pass over. Skip that person. Don't judge him for his sins. I mean, in the blood of the Lord Jesus is what we see when, it, when, it, when we see, behold the blood of the covenant. Because there God says, Oh, I see the blood there. I will remember, I'll close my eyes. I will remember their sins no more. From Isaiah 43:25. Isaiah 43, 25. I will remember, I will not remember their sins. And and, and then it says in Micah 7:19, Micah 7:19 he would cast their sins into the depths of the sea. Cast their sins into the depths of the sea. And in Psalm one hundred three twelve, 12, Psalm one hundred three twelve, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. That's what the blood does. It's the perfect covering for sin to pass over the sin. As a matter of fact, when a person dies, let's just picture this, a person dies, and the Lord Jesus asked them, why should I let you into heaven? Why should I let you into heaven? There's one word, and if they start with this word, it's over, it's over, it's next. It's cast into hell, it's one word, it's only got one letter in it, the word I. If a person starts off and says, why should we be let you? I did, I did many wonderful works. I was a good person. I did so and so. I kept. I did. I. That's it. Immediately cast into hell. Well, and and, but by contrast, when a person dies, and the Lord Jesus asks him, "Well, why should I let you into heaven?" There's only one word to start with that will let him into heaven. You know what that word is? You. Yeah, it's Jesus. But you. You. You died for my sins. You saved me from my sins. You said that if I came to you as a dirty, rotten sinner, begging you to save me from my sins while I was on earth, that you would, you would not reject me. It's all about whether a person in their mentality and thinking, in their psyche, is going through life with, the, with, with thinking, I am pleasing to God because I, or I am accepted by God because you gave your blood for me. It's either an I or a you. Now, the Bible shows one place where God is really happy, he's really happy. Well, there's several places where he's really happy, but one place where it's great, where he's really happy, God's happy, is in Job 33:24. 24. In Job 33:24 24, it says, like God speaking, you know, then, then he is gracious unto him and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. That's a great the, the, you know, when you read that, when God says, deliver him, I found a ransom, you see the happiness of God? You can also feel the anxiety of God. The anxiety of God, I, I need a ransom. Where's the ransom? It's the same anxiety that God has when it says in 1 Timothy 2.4, 1 Timothy 2.4, that God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. But the truth is, is that not all men are saved and that causes God anxiety. That causes him grief. God is grieved when any person is not saved and is cast into hell. And it causes God a great anxiety. When it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, that the Lord is is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. From that verse, we see that God looks on the earth and he looks at every individual. When it says he's not willing that any should perish, he's looking at every single individual and he's speaking their name. He says, I'm not willing that that man there named Muhammad, I'm not willing for him to perish. I'm not willing that that man over here named Avi, I'm not willing for Avi to perish. And he goes through each person that he's created and he sees all their particular lives, and he sees all the, that, that they are, and he says, I am not willing that he perish." That's why we just sung the song. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And God wants each person to come to repentance that he's leading them to, and come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. But not everybody comes to repentance. A, and that causes God anxiety, and that causes God grief, and what it means for you and I to be God, on God's side and to be God's effective prayer warriors, to be God's effective watchmen on the walls, is when you and I enter into that anxiety. That's the an anxiety that Paul had when he said, continual sorrow, continual sorrow. I could wish, I, I could wish that, I, that I would be cast into hell if it meant that my, my, my Jewish countrymen, the Israelites, could be saved. That's anxiety, continual sorrow. Great heaviness, he spoke about in Romans 9.1. Romans 9.1, he speaks about a great heaviness, a continual sorrow. That's God's anxiety. And that's what God wants for us, is to be anxious over every soul, over every soul that perishes. When God sees a soul refuse to repent and perishes, that deeply disturbs God and that's what god wants from us he wants us to be deeply disturbed over that and only when we're really just deeply disturbed over each soul that perishes will we bring the gospel with passion to the lost now it's this great anxiety over perishing soul that caused god to have this great joy what we just talked about in job 33:24 job 33:24 when he says deliver him from going down to the pit i found a ransom you can't see how happy God is there. He's saying, don't, wait, don't send that person to hell. Look, I got a ransom, I got a ransom. You do see him like waving in this. And, and you see God the Father, with all the anxiety in his heart, he looks to God the Son. He looks to God the Son. There was a time way back in eternity when God the Father looked at God the Son and God the Father just said two words, will you? And God the Son responds with just two words, I will. And when God the Father heard those two words, I will, he's so happy, he's saying, I found the ransom. I found the ransom. And that was the essence of the conversation. Will you? I will. And that's what thats what the Lord Jesus Christ was characterizing, that conversation that happened when he said in John 3, 16, look, God so loved you. God so loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you the world, that whoever believes into him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, this is what it's all about. It's God finding a ransom. No amount of wealth, no amount of money that a person has could ever buy this. David made that clear in Psalm 49.6, Psalm 49.6, when he said, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches... None of them can buy by any means re- redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. The redemption of their soul is precious, and that, he should, that he should live forever and not see corruption. There's only one ransom. There's only one ransom valuable enough to stop a soul from being, from being cast into the pit, into the pit, which is hell, and, and, and that is Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 20, 28 the Son of Man, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom. A ransom. It's the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 12, 23. Deuteronomy 12, 23. The blood is the life. The blood is the life. And that's why we see in in First in, in 1 Peter 1.18, eighteen. 1 First Peter 1.18, you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father, but, by the, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The ransom is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.7. Ephesians 1.7, whom we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The blood was the money. The blood was the purchase money that was used to buy our redemption, the redemption that purchased our, the forgiveness of our sins. So Moses says, and Moses says in this verse eight, Exodus 24, eight, he says, behold, the blood of the covenant. We're seeing the ransom money. We're seeing the, we're seeing the purchase money, the ransom to purchase our redemption. Now, something else. The Bible tells us more about this blood of the covenant, when it is accomplished. When we read in Ephesians 2.13, Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometime far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, as we behold the blood of the covenant, we see how we were made to come near to God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Ephesians 218, when it says, "You were sometimes afar off," that's describing how awful it was in our original conditions. We were so far from God, we, 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 we fell right in the middle of Isaiah 592. Isaiah 59, two. Isaiah 592, which says, "Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear.", you know, every time we decided to tell a white lie, and we determine which are white and which are not white. Every time we decided to tell a white life, we just got farther from God. And every time we lusted for the forbidden, we just made the gulf wider between us and God. And every time, we, every time we just, we fired off with a sharp tongue, we just made ourselves more of a stranger to God. And every time we just took an excursion, just a little excursion from what's right, we just got farther and farther away from God. And, and, and we might have become very religious, but that didn't shorten the distance between us and God. And we might have become very observant of religious traditions, but the gap continued between us and God. We were just religiously separated from God. That's all. And, and, and no amount of good works that we could do could ever have brought us close to God. There was only one solution to the problem. And that solution was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. From Ephesians, we already saw Ephesians 2.13, where he said, you were sometimes afar off, now made nigh by the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ has solved the problem of the great separation between us and God. It brought us near to God. So when Moses says, behold, the blood of the covenant, what we see in there is that it was the blood of the Lord Jesus that brought the, brought about our meeting with God. It brought about the meeting with God. Now, and it took away our fear, it took away our fear of approaching God. The Bible tells us that the blood of the Lord Jesus gives us a certain boldness to come near to God, a boldness. It says in Hebrews ten nineteen. Hebrews ten nineteen. having therefore, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, as we behold the blood of the covenant, we see this special boldness that comes to us right in the, it, it, it brings us right into the middle of God's familiarity zone, and we call him Abba, we call him Daddy, like it says in Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15, you have not received the spirit of bondage to get into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry Abba, or Daddy, Father. Fear's gone when we call God Abba. Without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no nearness to God, Without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no calling God Abba. There's no, without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't say Abba, we say Hashem. What does Hashem mean? The name, the name. There's no nearness to God when you call God the name. You might as well call him the force. There's only a great distance from God. But with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a nearness to God and the term of Hashem, it's never used but it's now replaced by Abba. That's what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ does. Behold the blood of the covenant. It brings us near to God. Now we see another accomplishment as we behold the blood of the covenant. When it says in 1 John 1, 7, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us. The problem with sin is that it makes two problems. It makes two crises. The problem with sin is that it creates an external crisis and an internal crisis. The external crisis that sin causes is this great distance from God, which we've already seen, that that the blood of the Lord Jesus solves. But there's another problem, and it's the internal problem. The crisis of sin is the internal problem of the crisis of defilement, internal defilement, Sin makes the heart dirty, dirty, rotten, dirty. Like it says in Matthew 15, 19, Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. The Bible says that thoughts are sin. Thoughts are sin. Proverbs 24, 9, Proverbs 24, 9. The thought of foolishness is sin a third of all the internet searches are for pornography. A fourth of all internet downloads are for uh, are downloads of pornography. Pornography is sinful thoughts. That's the, the, pornography is what's referred to in Matthew 15, 19, evil thoughts, adulteries, and fornications. These are the things that defile a man. And there's no soap which can cleanse a man from that defilement. And there's no amount of turning over a new leaf or doing good works that can cleanse a man from a, from defilement of sin. There's only one remedy. There's only one remedy for the crisis of defilement from sin, and that remedy is First John one seven. First John one seven. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. It's the blood. It's the only remedy. Behold the blood of the covenant. Behold the blood of cleansing. Now, we've just done a little bit now to, to 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 do what Moses said in Exodus 24, 8. Behold the blood of the covenant. And we've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation for our deliverance, our deliverance from the devil's power. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was the opening of the substitution for all that he had in place of all that we have. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the atonement, the covering, the only effective covering that accomplishes pardon, forgiveness for our sins. We've seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the purchase money. It was what, it's the money that was used to purchase our souls or the ransom. We've seen how his blood brought us near to God. And then last we saw how his blood accomplished the cleansing for the defilement from sin. It's just a part. It's just a part. It's just a part of what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished for us. You know, Job said, Job said in in, in Job twenty six, fourteen, Job twenty-six, fourteen, lo, these are a part of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. You know what we could say tonight? We could say, These are parts of the accomplishments of his blood. But how little a portion is heard of his blood. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much giving your son, Lord, and giving him not just to come and visit, but to come and to shed his blood. Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly laying down your life so that we could gain so much and benefit through your blood.
0: Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources, Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com.